Welcome back to a special edition of Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture. This special edition is a call to pray for teachers at the beginning of the school year, any time during the year, and at the end of the year, because they need to prepare for the next year. So there's always a, a time in the life cycle and the year for the teacher to be praying for them. The prayer ministry of First Presbyterian Church is our partner in this effort to provide prayer support for teachers. And, cl- and we, when we think of teachers, we want to remember we're thinking of all ages, uh, all classes, pre-K, all the way through postdocs. We want to think of the many roles in the educational process that, that are played, including classroom teachers and coaches and choir directors and counselors. They're all a part of a system, part of a process, and so we want to be praying for them. So in this second segment, be thinking about teachers that you can be praying for, and maybe you'd like to have a service at your church, and we'd be glad to have uh, materials for you to help you prepare to have a prayer service for teachers at your church. I'm Larry Lennon-Schmidt. I'm your host, and we're just uh, extremely excited to have this ongoing conversation about issues of concern to the body of Christ. We want to keep talking on the radio program, through our podcast, through events, and through the online resources at hillcountryinstitute.org. So we invite you to visit hillcountryinstitute.org and use the audio and video resources on a free basis there. It's a wide variety of topics, a lot of leading authors and ministry leaders. And if you're so inclined, we'd sure appreciate you considering supporting this program so we can pay the radio station. They tend to want to be paid. So that's hillcountryinstitute.org or 512-680-7993. That's 512-680-7993. The program this week is presented in partnership with the prayer ministry of First Presbyterian Church, San Antonio. Rick Lane, chairman of the prayer Rick Lane, chairman of the prayer ministry, is here with us. So welcome back, Rick. We're glad you're here. Thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to be here with, with you and Rob Shelton. Uh, we're really proud of Rob at First Pres and really grateful for his teaching. He's one of our Sunday school teachers. He also uh, preaches sometime and, and uh, is just a, a great uh, addition and strength to the church. Um, so we're grateful to have him on this show today. Um, we uh, Earlier you were talking about all the all the teachers from – pre-K to postdoc, uh, and all the school administrators, and, and we want to pray for all of them. Uh, we also want to pray for the students, of course, and, and we want to pray for the parents. Um, in our congregation, we have a number of, of teachers, public school, private school, Christian school, homeschool teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, but we also have a whole lot of parents, and we're all called to be teachers. Uh, parents, grandparents, when we say parents, we mean the whole in loco parentis, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, neighbors who are involved with children. Um, you know, the Bible is very specific. Uh, God is very specific to, to his people in, 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 um, in um, Deuteronomy uh, whatever, 4, 6, 11, if I miss it by a chapter, read the other two chapters, it won't hurt, right? Uh, 28, 30, so that's 30, a general 30 encouragement 31, to Bible, it's okay. just right. We're with, you know, we, we pray with Scripture, through Scripture, uh, and, uh, and all of those verses say, parents, teach your children. Teach them when you wake up. Teach them when you're walking along the road. Um, teach them when you're going to bed. Share with them my, you know, my love, my providence, the story I've put in your lives, the things I've done for you, uh, the, the purposes uh, we have together in fellowship with, with you know, the, the Trinity, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, with, with Christ. But there is so much a parent can do to be active in teaching starting from the time they're born. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had to sort of relearn that, and I had a fear of getting involved in the classroom. You know, even in kindergarten, uh, we, our kids went to a school, and I'm taking up a little bit of Rob's time here, but I sort of get the momentum on this. But uh, we had a 
member of our church who had a pre-K program, Acorn School in San Antonio, and uh, they required parents to come in a year before your child started in the pre-K program to come for parent training. And I said, when my wife told me this, I was 31 years old, so independent, I said, who are these Nazis trying to tell us, <laughs> trying to tell me how to raise my children? And on Saturday morning, I give them my Saturday morning. That is what my spirit was like, you know, sure. God forgive me. And uh, so I don't know if any of you listeners, any of you guys out there, if you're like I was and arrogant, listen up. I got there at Acorn School, and Rich Lang and his wife and all the teachers there, and they started working with us and telling us tips on parent how to, how to raise your children and to do it with grace so you don't exasperate them, like the Bible says. <laughs> sure. Then, uh, and I remember thinking, gosh, I wish my parents had heard this 30 years ago. And I thought, I'm so grateful that these Nazis, forced, <laughs> these Nazis forced me to come here today. And I walked out of there thinking, I could have a, I could do this for, you know, I could get coaching like this often in my life and my life, my children would be better. And uh, so it was the beginning of my beginning to listen. But when they went off, as things, they progressed through school, I, I became afraid. I became afraid to interact. I became afraid to teach my children again. I don't know why. Uh, and there were things that just happened in large school systems whenever our ch- oldest child, first child, wanted to go to public school and was excited about that. You get in that system and you start becoming really deferential. Mm-hmm. And then you start uh, you know, adapting to all the demands of potential things that fill the schedule, and you don't. I didn't attend to teaching my children at first. But thankfully, there were groups like Practice Ministries, Father-Son, Father-Daughter Bible Studies, that where they reached out to dads. You can look up that on the Internet. They've got free materials, great companionship in, among dads. And they got me involved in teaching my children again. It was such a blessing. We started going, doing public, getting public school kids together and teaching them the Bible and Scripture, and we had great times. And then we ended up having teachers come to us and said, this is so motivating to us as teachers to see you all working with your children. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then our kids went to Christian schools some, and we got to work with teachers there. By then I had confidence again. So I just want to encourage – sorry, I know sure. it's a long spiel, but you asked me to, <laughs> to say a few words and to pray about it, and I did just as the pro- program was started. But, but parent, you know, God calls on parents to be involved. And this, was, this, is, this is Rob Shelton. Rob, if you weren't here in the first half of the program, as the uh, headmaster at uh, what some people might call the high school, but in their, in their systems called the Rhetoric School at uh, Geneva School of Burning, which is a Christian classical school. And we've talked some about that, but he's also an elder at First Presbyterian Church. So this program is in partnership with First Presbyterian's prayer ministry. So, Rob, welcome back. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, to get back to what Rick was saying, I, I think parents can fall into a ditch on either side of the road. They can think they, they have to be uh, over-involved and can end up becoming uh, almost uh, a problem not only for their children but their own family, but for, for mm-hmm. the school and for the family. Uh, or, or they think that they, you know, well, I'm going to just sit in the back uh, and not say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. And those are the two ditches on the side of the road. And, and, and I would encourage parents, as we did in the first part of the show, uh, you know, it's it's simple. Something as simple as asking questions uh, about what happened in school that day and having discussions about it as Christians, as a Christian home. Uh, start small. You don't have to start start big. Start small and uh, just find out what's going on with your with your child at school. Whether this child's going to a Christian school or a public school. Now, if they're going to homeschool and you still have to ask, there's that's another problem. That's another show. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, um, when we when we're thinking about the teacher, so we we talked a lot about parents, and you and you've you've alluded to a potential problem whether whether you're at Geneva or whether you're in another school environment, uh, the parents can be 
one type of problem or a different type of problem. <laughs> so, and, Correct. And, and, you know, that's so consistent. As, as I prepare for a, a, a session like this, I try to read, and, and you read about helicopter parents, and, and they're just so involved. And then you read other parents, they, they you know, they're, it's a, they're latchkey kids. They're not involved with the, with the kids' education. And, and so uh, that's, not, that, that, that's, that's not unusual, is it, to have one or the other extreme? No, it's not. And, you know, as we're thinking about prayer for educators and for teachers and everyone involved with education, that's one of the things that they, they need prayer for and about. Uh, you never know. Uh, every student's different mm-hmm. and in every situation. So you never know what kind of parent that's going to be. So in any given day, you might have an edu- a, a teacher having to do all he or she can to, to try to just pull, like pulling teeth, to get a parent to answer a phone call or an email about mm-hmm. something that's going on in class. And then uh, a few moments later, uh, to, to try to figure out how to uh, keep one parent from from freaking out uh, because of something incredibly minor. Uh, so, sure. they, you know, uh, education today requires that, that, that level of wisdom. And I, I would think uh, that's something that all teachers would ask us to pray about. And that is, you know, how to negotiate this, knowing that they are in standing in the place of the parents. They're not the parent, but that's a, a high responsibility. And how to uh, and how to how to help those very disparate types of families mm-hmm. and to do it wisely and winsomely mm-hmm. and to do so so they can sleep at night mm-hmm. uh, so that they're not thinking about these things, you know, all the time because a parent's not constantly, you know, on their cell phone trying to get a hold of that teacher about that one thing. Sure. Uh, teachers require a lot of what I do with teachers is helping them to learn how to negotiate those situations. Yeah. So something tell, as simple as that. Yeah. So you're in your in your role at Geneva. You're you're something of a coach to to teachers. Yes. So t- tell us about some of you know and and again I, I, we're we're trying hard. We're 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 not a proponent of classical education, particularly. We're, we are in terms of its quality, but we're also proponents of charter schools or public schools. So I've said this before, but home schools. As long as the the parents involved, as long as there's a Christian effort, a, uh, an effort to have Christian thought, critical thinking, spiritual formation, virtues, all built into what's going on. But as a, as a coach to teachers, let's, take, let's, let's put that coach hat on. We've talked a little bit about, <laughs> about sports before, but when you're working with a teacher, what are some of the things that come up that, they, that are transitions that are different maybe or maybe weren't talked about in their educational process to prepare them? Sure. Uh, it's very rare that we have curricular discussions. Uh, most of them are, you know, we hire people who are going to be sharp mm-hmm. in their curriculum, and most are very well trained in that. It's, uh, and I, th- I would think this is not unique to a, uh, a Christian school. It's often having to deal with how to be a teacher, uh, to, to not just instill information, but to, to help grow people, grow young people in virtue and in Christ-likeness, given the culture they're in. So a lot of what we talk about and how I help these teachers is help them to try to learn how to negotiate and, and, and deal with the fact that a lot of these students are, are, are imbibing a, a, a culture that uh, insists on in, entitlement, uh, consumerism, uh, sort of an aloof, almost cynicism. Mm-hmm. And that can come from Christian homes as well, where sure. where parents, you know, aren't the guardians of, of, of the media that's coming into their home. It's hard not to be cynical in, in our Correct. environment today. Yeah. It really is. And, yeah. and, you know, and here they are at a place that, you know, is advocating almost what would seem, uh, we heard the term Nazi earlier, but <laughs> almost, uh, you know, uh, an anachronism, going back in yeah. time, archaic, medieval, mm-hmm. if you want to think of it that way. How, and And so the students are... Or, or you can come with those those attitudes, yeah. uh, not overtly, but often just sort of uh, you know implicitly, 
And uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of my coaching has to do with keeping teachers motivated, to keep them excited about the fact that they are making a difference a little at a time. Mm-hmm. Not that the kids are all making A's. Uh, we would like that. Uh, but that, you know, they're, they're demonstrating a very uh, – what we'd hope to get to is that we see students get to a point where suddenly, you know, as any teacher loves, when they see the light go on, every teacher loves that. And not just with knowledge, but especially with uh, their these students detecting and understanding the ideas that are behind so much of what goes on in culture. When they start seeing that and they make those connections. Mm-hmm. So I have to constantly, you know, Say, you know, keep little things little, big things big. Let's not confuse the two. And so that's that's a big deal, I would say, yeah. is, to, is to how to engage students given this this culture we live in. Yeah. And it would seem like you're, you're coaching them to think in terms of a marathon instead of a sprint. That's always the case. Yeah. But that marathon includes several sprints throughout the year, <laughs> and many of them are up a hill yeah. Yeah. in the rain. A, but it's a long, uh, continuous yeah. process. It's, it is a, it yeah. is a process. Instead in just, fact, we market ourselves yeah. as a process school. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the world of private school education, especially Christian private school education, you might, you know, might be a price point school. In other words, you're trying all you can to, and rightly so, make it as affordable as you can to the most people. But you sacrifice some things with that. Uh, if you keep the price too low, you can't provide the programs or pay the teachers enough to, to have the program you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a product school. Uh, a lot of schools will market themselves as you send your student here, and uh, at the end they will be this marketable product. They will be the thing that the college wants. And, and while we at Geneva hope that that happens along the way, we're not a price school or a product school. We think of ourselves as the word you just used, process mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. And that's intentional. Uh, we do see that everything we're doing is a process, that a student being within this curricular arena, this campus environment that we have, this community, that that, that process is part of who they become and shaping. Like I mentioned earlier in the earlier program, the minute you make virtue formation a program, then you've pretty much doomed it. Yeah. Uh, hence the process. This has to be an ongoing thing. That The students need to see Christian men and women uh, different types of Christian men and women as their teachers, administrators, coaches, dealing with problems and dealing with real life and dealing with them <laughs> the the whole year round and over many years. Yeah. Uh, it's and it, and it and it works. So yeah. if if uh, a parent is has a student who's not in a, a child who's not in a specifically Christian environment, then they need to be thinking about that process. They need to be thinking about that modeling and how that works and how that interaction to get that thinking going. Exactly. As, as, as Rick mentioned earlier, uh, you know, that he, he regretted those years that he, he, he was abdicated. afraid. He abdicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the word that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, don't be afraid. Don't think you have to start big or do a program. Mm-hmm. Be interested. Yeah. Uh, the, the big thing that students see in adults, especially adults who are Christians, is if they're not just talking about it. And, you know, those, that's, the, that's the stuff of a thousand sermons. Mm-hmm. But it is so true. They, they need to see parents, teachers living it. And that doesn't mean you're a preacher all the time or a missionary all the time. But it does mean that you're honorable and, and, and that you're truthful and that they see that lived out. So, so parents can do that as well. Teachers must do that. Yeah. Uh, that's where, uh, you know, the impact I'm sure you've heard from um, – public school teachers and coaches. It's mm-hmm. not because they're preaching Jesus necessarily, mm-hmm. but they are preaching Jesus. 
through how they are living and how they treat the students, how they interact with their faculty, their colleagues, their yeah. administrators. There's no, no different in any school environment. They're like the St. Francis quote, you know, share the gospel, yes, well, use words as necessary. Use words as necessary, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. And, and, and I would encourage uh, parents in, in that, but also teachers who are listening Mm-hmm. To, to once again remember that and rekindle that, knowing that the, the impact you're making is very rarely through your lecture. Yeah. Yes, you're teaching the material, but it's kind of man or woman that you are. That's how mm-hmm. the students – How you see. love the student. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's – the student remembers more than anything they learn in class. They remember how a particular teacher loved them. And often them, that's – and, and, and loved them with truth and grace. Correct, yeah. Not often, just grace. And not, not just, just tr- yeah. truth and grace. Yeah, because that's usually manifested, the teachers we remember, it's that love is usually manifested in a hard challenge or rebuke mm-hmm. when no one else would. Mm-hmm. Yes, last, yeah. last year, and I just throw this out for if you're a listener or a podcast listener, to look at the, the um, Hill Country Institute live website, hillcountryinstitute.org website, because last year we had uh, a, two, a, a former student student and a, and their former teacher uh, on one of the shows from Tupelo, Mississippi. And uh, this, the teacher had disciplined the student in the fourth grade, sent him to the principal's office, and, um, and the boy was really very upset. Um, he came to love that teacher for believing in him enough to hold him accountable. Yes, exactly and, right. And then he, as he graduated from that class, went on to others, lost touch with her for a while. He became the drug the head of the drug sales in Tupelo, Mississippi. And he went to prison for five years. When he got out of prison, he ran into his teacher on the street. And and he said to her, I've been thinking about you a lot these last five years. And and, and said, I remembered how you held me accountable. And I, I'm now married, have children, and I want to live into what you believed in me. And she said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and she took him to church with him a couple of weeks later. He became an active Christian. They did the first prayer for, day of prayer for teachers that I ever heard about, and it inspired this program. Oh, and they excellent. were on the show with us last year. Yeah. And the reason they can't participate with us this year is they're doing jail ministry to get together this and really busy this summer in jail ministry. But it was just so neat to hear this story, you know, decades later of accountability. And that was she, she used truth, but she did it with grace. And, and love, and, and the wholeness of love was truth and grace. And that, that always has an impact. I'll brag a little bit on our school. When we do exit interviews with all the, the graduates, it's inevitably uh, what is the thing that you'll miss the most or remember the most or had the most impact, and it's always the teachers. It's never a program. It's, it's, it's always the teachers um, because they do. They have that, that impact. Sure. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a quick question, Rob. You mentioned mission earlier, and um, – how does what are the ways locally and globally that uh, Geneva School interacts with students and families to create examples of mission that are not uh, checking off the box? I've done this public exactly. service, but but end up becoming part of the heart and the love of getting up in the morning and of feeling like you have purpose process. in the world Back through process. Process. Right. The process. process. And How again, that's if you try to do that as a program, you're going to kill it. Uh, you know, we as a, a Christian school too are very conscious of the fact that we represent that the family represent so many local congregations and churches and we try to and this may sound a little too almost business like but we try not to step on the toes of the church we try not to to do with the school what the churches should be doing so we see ourselves primarily as a discipling arm but 
mission we, we, we leave in many cases to the, to the local churches. A lot of the, the things, though, that our students end up doing are how we see it in the long range. Um, we had a graduate from several years ago who was, who was very shy, didn't like public speaking, uh, but still ended up having to do her senior thesis and defend it, and she did very well, went away to Texas A&M, and is now, uh, because of the process, uh, has found her voice, actually, in ministering to Islamic women, mm-hmm. actually having Bible studies, uh, those sorts of things, because they are, they are attracted to her. Uh, she's mm-hmm. actually in North Africa right now over the summer. Wow. So it's wow. interesting to see those long-term things happen. And, of course, that could be duplicated with other stories of other students, but uh, it's, it's in concert with the local congregations and with parents and with everybody that this happens. So the, the sense of the body of Christ as a whole, rather than silos, rather Correct. than a church by itself yes, or a school by itself, I would think so. we're all integrated trying to sure. come together. I'm, I'm forming a big circle with my arms. It's the best idea I know to, to present the body of Christ working together. Well, Ron, we're, we're getting um, close to the end of our time. Are there specific things uh, that we haven't talked about that we might list for people to consider, like use of time, time management by, by teachers, funding resources for um, teachers to have what they want to in the classroom? have what they want, certainly. I think a lot of it's common sense. Most people would recognize, and if they thought of themselves as a teacher or administrator in a school, the things they think of they would want prayer for are probably the things <laughs> that people want sure. prayer for. Uh, but especially, I think, given our day and age, uh, especially with uh, given so much of the volatile um, – some of the volatility out there um, with certain social issues and political correctness and all of those things, I think it's a minefield for a lot of administrators and teachers to know how to negotiate that. So mm-hmm. I think wisdom mm-hmm. in that as well. So they're not calling undue attention uh, to themselves or undue negative attention uh, just to have a soapbox, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a, an area of wisdom that's necessary as well. Um, mm-hmm. Christian schools, of course, are always uh, money's always a concern. Not that they're they're run by that, but I think that's a good a good thing sure. to pray for as well. Well, because that's an issue in public schools as takes, well. It takes it yeah. takes money, and mm-hmm. often there's less of it to do more. Yeah. Uh, people pay their money, uh, so they expect more. But usually, the the schools, private schools, are usually paying teachers less and have less money for certain programs, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but uh, the average private school out there, especially a Christian private school, is probably usually struggling mm-hmm. uh, money-wise. Yeah. So uh, is uh, technology uh, a friend or foe? Uh, briefly, in our school, technology is a tool. Okay. And uh, where it helps uh, do what we want it to do, uh, we're, we're not Luddites or neo-Luddites. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we have computers and we have smart boards and we have all those things but it doesn't drive the curriculum sure. um we do no lessons online those sorts of things uh but it is a useful tool and where it's helpful we'll we'll make use of it but we're we're one of those archaic places where students have things called books and, <laughs> I understand. and they sit around big tables and discuss literature and history we don't use history books they actually use primary sources mm-hmm. in translation of course mm-hmm. uh but um yeah, some of those old school sorts of things. And then to, you know, if we're, we're studying Dante, if they want to see a woodcut of Dante, we'll put that up on the screen. But uh, sure. we're not using that to, to teach, yeah. let's say, Dante. Well, Rob, we're, we're, we're getting close to um, the end of this segment. So would you consider praying for, for teachers and maybe modeling how, you, how we might 
pray for teachers oh, yeah, going I'd be, forward. I'd be honored to, and uh, I would encourage all of our all of our listeners to do this on a regular basis. Yeah. Please join me in prayer, Father. We know that uh, it is because of your grace that we are even able to uh, to have this thing called education. Because we are created in your image, that we have minds, and we know that it uh, it is a uh, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And we are, we are conscious of how we wield this tool called education. With that in mind, we, we pray for all of those involved in education, the students, uh, the parents, and as we've already heard mentioned here, educators, administrators, coaches, facilitators, office workers, everybody involved throughout the whole gamut of what we call this thing education. We know that uh, there are, there's a lot at stake that these young minds are our young minds that can make a difference and we know that uh, we don't want to waste this opportunity so i pray for everyone who are wor- is working with students who hears my voice that they would take heart they would take encouragement and they would feel energized once again to be disciplers to not just be curriculum teachers but to be people who who demonstrate what it is to be a man or woman of Jesus Christ right where they find themselves. We pray for various schools within this nation and for any crises they may be undergoing. Pray that there would be wise leadership rise to the top and that we would see uh, conflict managed. We'd see your kingdom extended on earth as it is in heaven. We don't know everything to pray for, but we know the Holy Spirit intercedes. So we're grateful for his intercession. Give us wisdom to see where these prayers are being answered. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rob Shelton, for the prayer. Thank you, Rick Lane, and the prayer ministry at First Presbyterian Church for working with us on this initiative to encourage prayer for teachers. And we thank you, the audience, for being with us for Hill Country Institute Live. We invite you again to visit us on uh, hillcountryinstitute.org, to like us on Facebook, and if it's uh, possible in your budget, to consider a donation. So thank you again for being with us. And we pray you'll take fully forward the heart and mind of Christ in all that you do. Amen. Amen. Amen.